and welcome to Proud to Be, the show that highlights veterans, military personnel, and family members published in Proud to Be, Writing by American Warriors, a creative writing anthology that preserves and shares our nation's military experience through poetry, fiction, essay, interviews, and photography. I'm your host, Lisa Carrico, and our guest for this episode are Kent and Stacy Walker. Kent was a sergeant in the 3rd Infantry Division of the Army and completed two tours in Iraq. His wife, Stacy, is a lecturer at University of Missouri-St. Louis and Jefferson College. Both Kent and Stacy hold MFAs in writing, and together they teach veteran writing workshops for Missouri Humanities. Collectively, they have been published in three of the 10 volumes, and today we will hear some of their thoughts and stories behind their PTB contributions. Kent and Stacy, welcome to the show. Thank you for having us, Lisa. We really uh, appreciate you inviting us, and uh, we can't wait to talk about writing and our experience uh, with writing. So happy to have both of you on here. Well, Kent, let's start with you. Uh, you served in the United States Army from 2000 through 2006, and you completed two tours in Iraq. How did you find yourself enlisting in the Army? I, I didn't know what to do with myself. I was working at Pizza Inn, and uh, I felt you know, it was a dead-end job. I didn't know what to do with myself, and, and military was uh, gave me a purpose. Uh, and... I had a lot of friends uh, that had brothers and sisters that were in Desert Storm, and uh, they always seemed to talk about it like it was a gave them a reason to to do something, you know. And they were so proud of it, and uh, I wanted I wanted to have that too. And my family is very patriotic, and so I just it seemed like the right thing to do. Okay, great. Uh, just for our listeners. Um, where did where were you born and raised? Where were you working at this pizza shop at? In uh, Sykeston, Missouri. It's it's uh, Boot Hill, so it's southeast Missouri. Yeah, very okay. rural, uh, very uh, country. Yeah. Okay. So, Kent, you were in the Third Infantry Division, which was the first conventional U.S. unit to cross the border into. Iraq and enter Baghdad during the 2003 invasion during the start of the global war on terror. Could you tell us a little bit more about your military experience? Uh, yeah, so we, we were staged in Kuwait. So we, it was normal deployment. Um, the whole idea of actually even invading Iraq at the time wasn't even mentioned to us. Uh, it had been on the schedule initially. So we all knew that we were going to Kuwait. And uh, so there was a lot of talk, I'd say three months into the deployment uh, about like weapons of mass destruction. And so when that phrase kind of hit the air, uh, you could kind of tell that uh, the normal deployment wasn't just that uh, it had changed and that training had ramped up and become quite a bit more serious. Uh, I know that we started getting more supplies, Everything was just ramping up much quickly. And we started doing other training that wasn't normal in that rotation. Uh, a lot of it was uh, like close combat. Uh, also like, cause the idea was just open desert warfare. And then all of a sudden next thing we're doing like building to building. Uh, 
train, you know. Uh, so that really changed everything. And then once we um, moved uh, it was to Camp New York, in Camp New York, that was when everything really, uh, we had so many different units coming in, National Guard units. Uh, everyone knew we were ramping up to, to go to war. And uh, it, it was pretty wild once, uh, you know, there was the bombing campaigns ahead of us where, you know, you hear jets flying over to Iraq, you know, and they were doing their surgical strikes left and, you know, every night you would hear that. And, uh, you know, once, once you get all your ammunition and, you know, it's live rounds and they start giving you new stuff that's never been out before, uh, you know that you're preparing to go to war. And, uh, you know, the phone center lines are a lot longer. You know, everyone was wanting to call home, you know, excessively. <laughs> there, was a, there was always a line at all hours of the night. Um, and some people got in trouble because they talked about what we were going to do or when we were going to leave. I heard about that. Uh, they broke concept, concept protocol, I think is what they call it. And um, yeah, the, the anxiety was part of it. And, and so, you know, we did pretty well, I think, for the most part, preparing. I, I've never seen so much, um, I guess, like courage. You know, I, I just felt like there were so many people uh, willing to, to get behind this. Because uh, we felt kind of left out uh, with Afghanistan because we were a heavy mechanized unit and we weren't able to really go into the mountainous area uh, to, to do anything. So it was all the light fighters that had gone to Afghanistan. And so this was 2003, you know, two years after 9-11. Uh, and so here we are, we're getting our chance, you know, to actually, you know, to make a difference. The, and though it's questionable, the, the connection with 9-11 and, and Iraq, but it seemed like there was a connection, you know. And uh, so, yeah, you know, we, we staged at uh, at the border of Kuwait and Iraq, and uh, we were ready to cross over, and um, we were just waiting. And we, we had like two or three days we knew we would go, um, but we weren't sure exactly when. And then I remember the there was, I guess it was like rockets or scuds. I remember them flying over the top of us and we saw them. Uh, and then we, there was one that was pretty far off in the distance and we, I, we couldn't really see it land or hit. But when that happened, we all had to gear up and put NBC gear on. And I remember there was a news crew guy with us and it was miraculous. He beat most of us putting his gear on. <laughs> it was, I was like, how did he do that? I was like, we've been doing this for years. This guy just learned, you know, and he, he was really fast and he put it all on and I'm putting my stuff on, you know. And we jump in the back of the Bradleys, you know, and, and there was some people that were like still out there running around, but it, it was, it yeah, things got disorganized really quickly. Um, and uh, we were all lined up and buttoned up and uh, we had to do the full NBC protocols and they had to test the air, you know, and see if we had a chemical agent uh, floating in the air and just waiting. It seemed like a long time to find out if there was an agent in the air. Um, and once they gave the all clear, I think it was the next day we, uh, we then crossed the border and um, it was really weird when I crossed the border because I was assigned to a um, a mechanic. Like they needed a second driver so that we could drive 24 hours. 
And so he would drive 12 hours and I would drive 12 hours. Well, I had never been trained to drive a 113. (laughs) They never showed me. So I learned how to drive this tank pretty much on the spot. And uh, that's called on job training. (laughs) Yeah, right. They're like, well, you can drive a Bradley tank. You know, you can drive this 113. And it was, it was just pulling levers, you know, so it wasn't too bad, you know. I believe um, at some point, I think you told me that you were an M240 gunner. Is that correct? Right. And what, is, right. And what does that mean? Okay. Yeah. So actually, it's a long journey to, to the point where I actually got to use it, right? It's because we had to actually get to, there's a lot of desert between uh, like the border of Kuwait and then to actually like the cities. And so the, the 240 um, Bravo, it's, it's a big 30 pound machine gun uh it shoots a 7.62 and it's it's belt uh, linked like it's all linked with the belts of uh ammo it's 100 rounds uh per belt and uh, i carried 1200 rounds uh but i had an assistant gunner who helped me so i had 600 rounds that i kept on me and he carried 600 rounds and uh he also carried a tripod and a t&e which is a uh, traverse and elevation uh and so it's it's kind of like a whole system and uh we would actually train where he would run out and throw the tripod on the ground and then i'd have to put the gun on top of the tripod and uh we would do those drills over and over and over uh and so my main job while i was you know with my squad was i i was support by fire so they, we would have an assault team that would assault something, and while while they were moving forward, I would be, you know, make sure that the, uh, I would be able to suppress any fire that would come at them. So I tried to keep the enemy's heads down while they were able to assault buildings, basically. Um, so you were honorably discharged from the army, and you went to earn your BA in English. And in 2015, you earned your MFA in creative writing from the University of Missouri, St. Louis. What inspired you to pursue writing? Um, I always liked storytelling. Um, I, I picked up from my dad. My dad's a big hunter, fisherman, so he could tell some really good hunting fishing stories. And so I heard those stories all my life. And so, you know, I, I don't exactly have a whole lot of hunting and fishing stories, but I do have a lot of stories about the military and about you know, my time in Iraq and uh, just stories in general. You know, I got some pretty zany ones in, you know, from high school too, you know. Um, so yeah, it, it only seemed logical at the time. I, I thought I wanted to get into business, but, um, I don't know, my need to tell stories and to connect with others. And uh, I just, and also just like to read, like while I was um, in Kuwait. Uh, and then later, the, the, my second deployment in Iraq, I had more time to read as well. And I just found reading to be a really good uh, escape from all the chaos, you know, just a, a good way to uh, also pass the time because there's a lot of time where you're, you know, you're in the military, it's not always you know, guns and ammo and, and all that wild stuff. There's a lot of waiting, hurry up and wait. There's a reason that's a thing. <laughs> and uh, so a lot of waiting, I would try to read when I could. So, um, but yeah, no, and, and Southeast Missouri, uh, my sister went there and she actually, she got a 
BA in English as well. And she really enjoyed the her experience. So I thought, well, you know, I'll, I'll try that as well, see what's going on. And uh, no, I was really glad I did. Uh, had a lot of similar professors that, that she had and uh, got to meet Susan Swartout, Dr. Susan Swartout, and she's just wonderful. Um, and she was her mentor and also my wife's mentor, which is kind of neat. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, no, I, I uh, really loved it there. And just, just being able to tell your story and also learn to tell it with clarity, you know, sense and, and meaning um, is something that you have to learn. You know, uh, um, you, I mean, you can learn it by accident, just by trial, but, but going to college helps. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love this like influence of your father and his love for storytelling, and then this um, influence from your sister and the path that she took. And for our listeners, uh, Susan is the original editor and uh, founder for Proud to Be. She has since retired, and now it's uh, Dr. James Brubaker. But Susan has definitely. Uh, had her uh, her influences over the year, and especially so on uh, veteran writers. So that's I love that connection and how many people she knows and has affected, including both you and Stacy. Um, so, you know, how did you find yourself writing about your military experience? Did that like come naturally? Was that um, did you find that while you were taking these classes? Um, I know during your enlistment, you saw a fair share of heavy combat. So, um, you know, how did you feel that writing about your military experience has affected you in your writing and how does that shape the way you approach writing? So it's a pretty comprehensive question right. there, but I'll let yeah. you dig in. No, that, that's okay. Um, originally, I, I actually tried to stay away from writing it. Um, it was it was a little too upsetting for me at first. Um I could tell the story like verbally, like I could just, you know, but there was something about writing it that really, uh, and I think I tried it at, at, at the wrong approach. I, I tried to write like the, the worst things that happened to me. You know, I was, I was just trying to really get into the nitty gritty and just uh, really focus on that kind of stuff. Um, and I would, I would typically try to write that stuff when I wasn't exactly in the best state of mind. Um, and I, I think once I finally slowed down um, and would, would write it more calmly when I wasn't so upset. Um, I, I was one of those kind of weird emotional writers at, at first. Um, I, I, would, I think I did it to, to just get the, the demons out as I'd heard someone say. Um, and I feel like once I did do that, once I started getting some things down um, and it, it was really, bad writing like it was very fragmented a lot of it didn't make a whole lot of sense um it, it was very therapeutic for the most part it was therapy writing um, I didn't even know what that was at the time I had no idea um but I, I had a compulsion to to do it no matter what it was because I, I did feel that once I was able to write something down I, I felt better like like and, and not necessarily better in the way it's, it's more like um better like after you put like a band-aid on a cut better kind of thing you know it, it's not like this uh instantaneous uh, happiness kind of thing uh, more like a, a, a kind of a, a a reprieve kind of 
And uh, so and it took me a while to get to that point. I actually, I would write stories about just, you know, like my family more than anything. Um, very nostalgic about living, uh, you know, back in Sykeston and, and just like what I did as a child. Um, because I found those moments uh, a lot more peaceful because it wasn't about war. It wasn't about, you know, bad things happening. It wasn't about bullets and ammunition. And it wasn't about bombs and, you know, blood and guts. Um, I found that to be more peaceful. So I sought after the more nostalgic, um, idyllic life for a long time before I ever approached writing about um, Iraq because I just don't think I was ready quite yet. Um, and I still go back and forth through that. There's still times where I'm like, yeah, I, you know, I don't want to write about this. I've, I, you know, I want to move on. I don't want to be stuck. You know, I, there, there's the other good things in life too, you know, outside of, of the war experience. And, uh, you know, those things deserve being celebrated just as much. Um, and, and I guess that, you know, sometimes those two things come together, you know, um, like the, you know, I, I had written a poem, you know, Gun Baby, you know, and that's kind of a merge of, it's like a, a kind of a mix between like a flashback and, and, uh, also just living mundane life, you know, after, after the war. And, uh, but so that's, that's kind of how my, my writing experiences has come together. Yeah, no, I think that that makes sense. And I know I've heard from other um, veteran writers that um, sometimes you just need separation of time from those experiences to be able to, to write them down. And sometimes that process of writing them down, like doesn't take away that experience, but it maybe gives you a little control over it. Um, those are just some of the things that I've heard from other veteran writers. Um, so you mentioned Gun Baby, which is a poem published in Proud to Be, volume five. Um, how about we have you go ahead and uh, read this for everyone? Gun Baby. I hold my infant son, who was not close to 30 pounds, much like a machine gun I carried in heat and sand, the dust and wind. I rock them both up and down the halls, here and there where cries rise up to kicking legs and cyclical flashes, all in unison to his wailing mouth. I bounce him limp and aglow like a red hot barrel steaming from a rooftop's edge. His head stays down, don't move, four shots down. I burp him, ease in several pats, pats, a functions check. He gasps into my arm and chokes. I check his breech for a jam. His fetray mouth is clear of debris. I shoulder its buttstock, squeeze and wait for the whites of his eyes to roll back, back to sleep. Shush, hush, little man, lay down. No brass to the grass with links to the sky. Thank you for sharing your poem. Um, it gives me goosebumps every time. So would you mind talking about why you wrote this poem and how you arrived at this comparison of you carrying your machine gun and your infant son? Uh, yeah, yeah. It, uh, it's a weird kind of thing. Uh, I guess I was having, a, as some people would say, like, a, I guess a PTSD moment. And so I wasn't having that good of a day um i had a phone call from a friend um who uh 
who was in the war with me. And um, so it, it kind of upset me, the phone, call, the phone call had upset me a little bit. Um, and I remember it was really early in the morning. And so I tried to kind of forget about it. And so I'm just playing with my son and I'm like, oh, I'm so much fun. And he, you know, he was an infant, right? You know, and I think he had pooped or something. I had to change his diaper, you know, and, and but I still had a lot of uh, war images in my head because of the phone call that we had. And, and it was about a firefight that we had gone through and he was having a moment too. Um, and he was just wanting to discuss it on the phone. And I talked to him about it and but it was really hard on me. It, it had triggered a lot of memories. Um, and so I had my son and I had all these images and like so much stuff was going on and I really didn't know what to do to remedy. I was like, what can I do? I just, there's, there's not really any answer for this kind of trouble that you deal with instantly. You know, I, I could tell Stacy these things and I could, um, you know, watch a movie or look at my phone, like, what are all a thousand things I can do just to forget this thought in my head, you know, and I just thought, well, I'll just write it down. I'll just, I'll just put it on paper, you know, I'll just expel the demons, as someone has said before, you know, I'll put it on paper, um, and so that's, that's what I did, and I, and I tried to just mash it all into one piece, uh, because I had so many things, you know, coming to me all at once, and so, that's uh that's kind of how the poem happened to be and uh it, it did work it was it was nice um because at the time you know my son to get him to sleep i had to walk up and down the halls you know and rock him around you know well often i had a machine gun that i walked around you know and so uh and infants and guns you know oddly enough have uh this kind of function really basic function about them and uh i saw the similarities and uh you know now you know the poem has some seriousness to it but it's also really absurd at the same time you know <laughs> and so it's it's a fun way you can read it really seriously or you can read it you know in it's absurdist form you know uh, either way is acceptable yeah i remember you reading this live at our proud to be five release and i was just like okay both of these things like need to be taken care of delicately and they they both need a degree of like care right uh but no I just thought it was such a a moving comparison and I was always curious to how you arrived at writing this so thank you for sharing that story so I think that this is a good time to bring on your wife uh Stacy Stacy, could you tell our listeners a little bit about you and perhaps the story of how you and Kat met? Okay. Um, well, I'm Stacy Walker, and I uh, currently I uh, lecture at three different institutions. Um, I teach um, literature and composition, so um, I'm pretty quite quite busy. Um, with that and our son, and I have um, degrees in in English, um, uh, a BA in English, I have an MA in English, and then I also have my MFA. Um, so yeah, that's just the educational side of me, I guess. Um, how that Kent and I met is um, kind of what I would say 
one of those stereotypical like movie meet cutes that people have or talk about. We met in a coffee shop. <laughs> we met in a coffee shop and I was on um, spring break and it was a really rainy, cold Monday, March 14th. And I was in this coffee shop that I'd never been in before. And I was sitting around going to grade some papers and then go see a movie with my friend. And this guy came in and he was loud. I heard him in the other room. And I was like, oh my gosh, this guy is so loud. You know, his voice carries. And he was really excited. And then he walked in and he was like, hey. And I was, okay, hey. I was kind of taken back by him. Um, he said, what's your name? And I said, Stacy. And then here's, <laughs> here's in my mind when I heard this, I don't think I said it out loud to him, but he said, oh my gosh, I'm working on this story. And the only character that I gave a name to was uh, Stacy. And I thought this has got to be some kind of line, you know, <laughs> but we started talking and um, we, uh, I found him very interesting, very different. Um, he started talking about writing and, and uh, started to share with me some of the writing that he has done. And we, uh, I don't know, it just went from there. He emailed me his story. And so we got together and started writing together and, creating things together and, and we just ended up together. <laughs> I love this. This is so, as you said, so meet cute. <laughs> and I don't think uh, in all the years that I've known you, I've never heard the story. So uh, it, was, oh, wow. <laughs> it was enjoyable to hear that. I love it. No. <laughs> and I love this like connection over writing. It's beautiful. Yeah. Well, Stacy, I am curious, um, going back to Kent's poem, Gun Baby, um, what were your initial thoughts about the poem? I thought it was great. I, um, because I am a poet by, I guess, I guess I'm naturally poetic in some way. And that's my, I guess, forte. And I have always encouraged Kent to explore his poetic tendencies in writing, because I do feel that there are some qualities in poetry that his writing naturally could uh, be enhanced by poetry. So when he wrote Gun Baby, I was very excited because I enjoyed the, um, the comparison, I guess the conceit, so to speak, of Adam, our young son, being compared to this, this gun. Um, so I thought it was really successful. Um, it, it reminded me of something like what Sharon Olds would do in her poems when she compared her son to Houdini and the escape artist. And so I thought it was a really great um, focus. And it reminded me of something that Sharon Olds would have done in one of her poems. And so I thought it was great. I thought it was fantastic. So I was really excited for him to have had the ability to tap into that moment and then write about it. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like you're both very supportive of one another's creativity and, and helping each other uh, kind of fine tune that and arrive at it. So that's really beautiful. Uh, Stacey. I, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Stacy, in your writing, you often explore the theme of relationships and identity. 
Could you tell our audience a little bit about your writing and about this theme? Well, this seems to be a theme that has, I wouldn't say plagued me, but has been with me um, since undergraduate school at Columbia. Um, I have often been curious with family and with stories, place and identity. Um, <clears throat> I find that both my parents came from rather large families and had very interesting culture um, when it comes to those families. And um, my grandfather, who was, well, my dad's side of the family is from San Antonio, Texas, and but he was born and they grew up in Alice, Texas, which was close to the border of Mexico. And so my, my grandparents <clears throat> mostly spoke Spanish. And so my grandfather would make these terrible tapes <laughs> of him singing and recording these songs in Spanish. And I didn't matter that they were off key and it didn't matter that I didn't understand them, but I just loved them absolutely. And so I was always intrigued with that side of my dad's family. And then on my mother's side, um, my grandmother was such a storyteller. She loved to tell stories. She would have the grandkids <clears throat> gather around her it's so stereotypical like she would be in her rocking chair and she would have her little chihuahua next to her and she would gather us around and tell us stories or tell us jokes or anecdotes and so I was always compelled um, by how family especially my mom's family when they got together around the kitchen table during holidays how they would just tell stories and how they would feed off of each other with their stories. And my sort of obsession with that grew when I was an undergraduate at college and I did this um, particular folklore class. And in this class, we had to do an ethnographic study and I chose to do a particular story that had been passed down uh, in my mom's side of the family for generations. And so I decided to go and interview uh, <laughs> all the women who tell the story to their kids and sort of look at the different variations. And so this is sort of the beginning to my master thesis that Susan Swartout was the director of when I attended um, Southeast. Um, so she was very encouraging of this kind of focus that I wanted my creative thesis to be on. And uh, it sort of grew from there. <clears throat> and I just find that I believe that stories um, define who we are. And even the stories that other people tell us, sort of, sort of like when Kent tells me his stories, they become a part of me. And so in some way he's affected my identity and my person. And so I feel like this idea of connection and stories um, is really relevant to how we, how we identify who we are. And so those stories long ago from my grandmother helped establish part of my identity. And so in some way, when I would tell my son a story or talk to my son about something, it is in a way that identity being passed down to him. And so I don't know if I answered your question, but that's sort of um, 
where I get this idea of all these relationships and all these connections in my personal life say a lot about who I am and those kinds of stories can connect with other people um, and sort of help them identify who they are. Yeah, I, I am absolutely moved by this and uh, I feel like it really embodies the humanities and the work and passing connection um, through stories and looking at um, these past connections and how they affect us now as individuals and shape our identity. So um, I think it's, it's beautiful. Um, so thank you for sharing that connection, especially with your, your grandparents. And it seems that they had such a great influence on you and where you're at now and with your writing. So let's have you read one of your poems uh, that's published in Proud to be Five. Uh, which was great for the Proud to be Five reading. Both you and Kent took the stage that day, so it was neat to see your poems uh, read on the same day. But we'll have you read Grace and War, and this is your first publication with uh, Proud to be, and it really ties in nicely to the conversation that we're, we're having about family and that military writing experience. Grace and War. <clears throat> when you first told me of a man trapped in a tank on fire, burning in war on Christmas, and how you heard him scream, watched more men on fire release him to see, to smell flesh singe. I cried for you, for your guilt, and how you felt you too should have been in there. And how when we fight, I think of him, and I want to light myself and emulate in our bed. The damage to your soul is done and words cannot sway you to my side of the sheets. You move in action, your pillow a gun. You told me once it was how you slept on your N-16 and how people steal guns out from under you, but yours was tethered to your leg. They would have to take you with them. But there is no tether here and I am in that tank with you now and we are at war but I am no soldier, have no tactical training, and I maneuver just on your words. I can't be in here, I need to breathe. I see you're there blank and tender. You are the pull, the hard pull. I see the moment your small incandescent fire hemorrhages. Contact with you is now blood and a risk of blackened skin. It is sacrifice. I, instinct, I instinctively want to test your heat. I want to reach to you on your side of the bed, but instead I see the obliterated tanker and the older language that predates me. Your history of wind, sand, guns. I move in too close, too soon. I am not prepared for this battle. I am not protected. My entire flesh exposed, my heart beats raw. I should have tied it down, but I do want to burn here with you to know how to cry for you again. Thank you, Stacey. Uh, that piece is just so powerful. Um, it's so personal and so intimate. Uh, would you mind telling us about the poem and how you found yourself writing it? Well, <laughs> I have a tendency to write 
what is real in my life. I'm not one of those poets that can take something that perhaps another person has experienced. For me, it was it's like writing abstractly, and it's really difficult for me to do that. So um, there was an evening where I remember uh, Kent and I had, you know, an argument and it was at night and I remember him saying those words um, and I remember the story that he had told me that I know still affects him to this day. And so, of course, I don't remember what the discussion was about or what the disagreement was about. Um, but sometimes I have to try to remind myself that his experience and his perspective is very different in situations. So while yes, I'm hurt and I'm in no way saying that that is something that someone should accept, um, you know, because things were said or things were done, your feelings are still hurt, but it's sometimes necessary for that person who's never been in, let's say, this war experience or had these kind of, um, you know, traumatic events in their life to try to look at it from their perspective. You kind of have to step outside of your own hurt or feelings and try to learn to be a little bit more empathetic in that particular situation, it's really difficult. No one is saying that you have to, you know, um, that the other person shouldn't take responsibility for how they might have hurt you or that your feelings aren't as important as, you know, that individual, in this instance, my husband. Um, it was just sort of a reminder for me to try to remember that there are other things associated with, you know, his actions and why he may feel this way and why this argument, you know, took this turn. Um, so again, it's, it's a time where sometimes you might think, oh, I'm bending over backwards for him. And what is he doing for me? And sometimes you have to reassess the situation and try to learn to do things differently. And this was one of those moments. I don't know if that, <laughs> if it happened successfully or not, but it was definitely a moment that sort of encapsulated this idea. So the war that he was having and then the war that we were having, where it's almost like you're trying to say, okay, he sees this as a fight or flight situation he sees this as like a war, <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not at war with him, but he sees it that way. Um, and so, yeah, it was just, a, uh, I guess, a cathartic way for me to remind me and maybe anyone else who's reading it that sometimes we have to learn or remember that empathy is really important. So, if you do this, maybe it will help him, which will ultimately help you. <laughs> There's so much richness here. Um, and it's very, it's a very conscious relationship to be able to remind ourselves to um, 
remember that our past have shaped us and that's sometimes going to affect the way that we show up with our loved ones, whether it's family, whether it's our children, significant others. Um, so the fact that you can recognize that Kent had an experience and that that may show up in different ways in your relationship and be able to take a step back and say, okay, this isn't really about me. This is something that is, you know, coming up from his past and it's affecting this present moment, but to be able to just take that step back and to realize that as, as a couple, but then also kind of take it one step further and be able to, um, creatively write about it, I think also provides other folks with this insight, especially, um, when one person has experienced war and the other person hasn't, um, I often hear from, uh, veterans, family members that their partner doesn't even talk about their military experience or doesn't know how to go about it. So the fact that you two can openly talk about it and kind of unpack it together and, and realize how that might affect you, uh, as a couple, I think is just really inspiring and really beautiful. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I also want to also want to say that this is not something that we were able to do on our own. <laughs> like okay. we definitely, and, and I'm going to say Kent has put in a lot of time and effort with, you know, um, his therapist to help, help that. I mean, without that, I mean, there's a stigma attached with not only mental illness, but veterans and PTSD, and without acknowledging the fact that he has consistently for years worked with somebody that would allow him and me, because I've also been in, in these sessions with him uh, initially, that this would not be an awareness or something that we could communicate or talk about without the help of, of those individuals. So that's important to remember too. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful to remind everybody that you can ask for outside advice. Therapy is healthy. It's an important part of the process, whether or not somebody has experienced something as severe as um, war. But again, our past experiences shape us and the way that we show up. So um, I think being able to remind people that there doesn't need to be this like stigma around counseling. Um, I think it's just so important to share. So thank you for um, being able to share that part of your life together as a part of your growing experience. You know, I often sometimes think about this, and this is not in a light way. I know that Kent has suffered PTSD, and he had, you know, the military experience, I did not. But just because I didn't, I still have it actually, because it's, it's here with me in this marriage. So even though I was not there, I in some way have some sort of, you know, I guess PTSD or trauma related experience because I'm in this with him. And so I think that's important for individuals who are married or have family members that are supporting the veterans to know that their feelings and their issues are, are just as important. So I think that's important to, to mention. I just wanted to say that. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And that's something that I love about 
um, both proud to be uh, highlight stories and poems by military family members so that their voice uh, has a place in this whole combined experience. And even with our writing workshops, we invite family members into to write. So um, I think it's just as you said, it's it's an important part of this. And especially if you're living under the same household with somebody, like you're gonna feel it too. So how how do we go about sharing this experience and expressing it and uh, letting other people know that this might be a shared experience. So uh, thank you. Um, Kent, I am curious, let's bring you back on. Uh, what went through your mind when uh, Stacy wrote Grace and War? I'm just curious to your thoughts and reactions about a poem that's about your military experience, but also your shared experience at home. Um, it's so deeply uh, emotional. Um, it, it really uh, kind of revealing. Uh, I guess in some ways she writes so powerfully. Um, I I didn't really know what to think at first. Because we all, are, you know, understand that we affect each other in certain ways. Um, but sometimes we, we don't understand um, how much we hurt each other sometimes, like severely, and how much the war had affected me and how much that in effect has caused me to behave in certain ways that um, has, you know, caused a lot of distress to Stacy. So that, you know, the after effects of war, you know, are are there and it's it's so visible. Um, and that, you know, it, like you were mentioning, you know, war doesn't just affect the, the veteran, you know, it echoes to the entire family. You know, even my son, which, you know, something we don't want to say or mention, you know, it's that kind of like that flat box that that no one wants to hear, you know, or open. But, you know, it's uh, I think that's some of the what storytelling is, is supposed to reveal is supposed to open up. You know, these are the truths that that um, should be listened to, should be heard, should be known. Um, and also, you know, as, as horrific as some of it may be, I feel like the more you can unwind that and uh, understand it and learn to kind of objectify it in writing, to put it down, I feel also is, is a part of healing. Um, I know the more times, um, you know, I hear her recite that poem, uh, you know the deeper understanding I I have of some of these experiences and and how they do affect others, um, but also that that experience is hers as well, which is a really um, peculiar idea. Like no one would think that the story I told her in some ways could be just as real as not even but even though she wasn't there you know so how like how does that work you know how, how can that be a thing you know uh it seems so very abstract but it's also very real at the same time um it, it's a very peculiar uh phenomenon uh so um 
it, and it changes every time I hear it. Uh, and, and it's it's one of those things with repetition. I feel like um, stories need to be told, um, but they also need to be told several times um, because I feel like often uh, we f we forget um, what it's like, and then also we kind of want to forget. I feel like it's a typical mechanism. It's a safety mechanism to to forget sometimes. Um, and and in, and I feel like that is also a, a safe and healing thing. I, th I think that's normal. Um, and uh, when I hear that poem, um, I'm always thankful that that I can come back to that moment and uh, realize that that we've gone through some hard times. But there's also been, like she had mentioned, some uh, quite a bit of therapy that uh, I've gone through, and that we've also had, you know. Uh, therapy together uh, that's helped us heal immensely um and and I'm very I'm very thankful for that and uh I, I couldn't couldn't have done it with without that sharing um and, and without uh yeah it, it's amazing that poem changes every time I hear it and it it's uh the images are so strong and heavy and it's so weird that part where talks about the uh the gun that was tied to me like that's the story I told her like because in basic you had to always make sure you had your rifle with you. and at nighttime the the drill sergeant said that they would steal it from us like if we didn't have it you know secure and I told her about that and you know next thing you know I read it in a poem I'm like well that was that was me what are you doing you're you know, you're stealing my story you know that, that's mine I, how can you do that you know but I shared it with her. So now it's a part of her. It's hers. You know, I can't, I can't claim that, you know. And there's a thousand other soldiers that, that had that same thing, you know. Um, and, you know, there's a few other soldiers who had had that uh, the experience on Christmas happen. You know, where, where um, you know, they, they got hit with an IED. And, uh, you know, the soldier, you know, Specialist Gonzalez died that day. Um, and, you know, I tell that story and I have to keep telling that story, um, cause that one's, um, painful and that one's, um, one of those stories that, you know, did immensely, uh, damage me or, or what was it, the, uh, the emulate my soul or something. I try to remember the line for the poem, but, but either way, it, 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 it pretty much destroyed me. That part did. And um, I guess in the heat of a of a serious argument, uh, a painful argument that we had, um, I could see that connection. I, I could see how that would that would affect Stacy, and I and I can see that. And um, so no, it's it's a very powerful poem, and I'm glad she shared it with us. Yeah, I'm glad she shared it with us as well, and and submitted it for proud to be to to share with the world. And I feel like having that conversation too, just out of print and what it all means and how it's shaped your relationship. Like, I think it's just a beautiful story. Um, and it provides a lot of perspective. So, I mean, it sounds like between therapy and your, both your shared passion and writing, um, do you find that there's this 
special connection through writing and does it shape or help your relationship any in any way? Stacy, let's start with you. Um, I think it does. I think that writing was one of the main things that sort of um, brought us together. Um, when we had first met uh, Kent and his friend, um, they were had this small writing group and I remember Kent telling me the story, um, maybe it was his friend that told me the story that he later on that day, Kent came in and said, oh, I found her. She's perfect. She's a great writer. She, she's perfect to have for, for our group and stuff. Um, and so I think that it really has um, and will always be a, a very connecting important foundation for the relationship that Kent and I have. Um, I think also it's probably um, the reason why I decided to go and get my MFA as opposed to my PhD. Um, I had always wanted to do that um, but I said, well, I guess I'll go and get my PhD in, in literature and composition. Um, and he was interested in getting his MFA. And I, I guess I was like, well, you know, maybe this is the time that I should do that. You know, maybe I should do that instead of going down this path. Um, I do. I feel like life's full of you know, different choices and we can, I don't know, I just felt like this was the way that I was supposed to go. <laughs> there were a lot of things I could have done on that Monday, March 14th. And um, for some reason, I went to a place I had never gone before and it changed the course of my life, um, definitely. So um, I think that writing and books um, and teaching, I think it will always be something that connects Kent and I um, very much so. Did I, I answer? I, I think I answered the question. You, you <laughs> did, and it was beautiful. I'm over here like practically tearing up. It's just so beautiful. I'm such like an emotional human being, and I love, I am not like a storyteller myself, but I love storytelling. So, um, you both are pumping out these stories that are just getting me emotional over here. Um, how about you, Kent? Do you want to add anything to, to these thoughts? Oh, certainly. Um, yeah, the day I met Stacy uh, at that coffee shop, I was working on a, a short story. Uh, it was a really bizarre short story. Uh, and the only character's name in it, the only one that I named um, happened to be Stacy. And that, that, wasn't and, a line. And, and that was the line I that I said to her. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't just a bad pickup line. <laughs> no, it was, it was absolute truth <laughs> and a bad pickup line. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and you know, and, and she had this, she had this tattoo on her wrist, and it, I was like, what is that? And uh, what, what, let's say, was it make it new, right? Yeah, uh, by Ezra Pound. And I was like, what is that? You know, and, and she has this lengthy, you know, philosophy of writing poetry, you know. And I was like, holy smokes, that's a it's amazing. Yeah, you know, I you know, tell me more, you know. So she she had so much 
uh, information, just so much passion in uh, her poems that she, we, you know, we shared our stories. She shared her poems with me. You know, she had read all these poems and some of them were fairly um, provocative, fairly erotic, you know? And I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> you know, I was like, this is poetry I haven't read. You know, I haven't read this kind of stuff. They, they don't read this poetry in high school. You don't read this even really in college. Like, I guess there's some that are like that, but this was very new to me, you know? And uh, so I, I was just amazed by what writing could be. Like, I, I just, it was totally new to me. And yeah, and I had this kind of small writing group uh, and the idea was, uh, you know, just write one page, you know, write what you can and just put it down on one page. You know, it was flash fiction was the idea. And um, it was really good for beginning, you know, beginner writers because we, we were kind of just getting our feet, you know, into the into the waters. And so that seemed like the best idea. And Stacy was just like, well, I can do that. Let's do that. You know, uh, and then, you know, I, I was reading some really weird stuff at the time is H.P. Lovecraft, uh, you know, and, and that was really kind of horror, you know, uh, fiction. And uh, she even, she's like, well, I'll, I'll try that and I'll read that. And she read this huge <laughs> short story and I asked her what she thought about it. And she's like, I don't really know. You know, she's like, she's like this, this is really belabored writing. And I'm like, yeah, you know, it was it's kind of tough. I, yeah. And, and then she kind of opened me up to what good writing was too. As well. and I, I, you know, and I'm sure there's some people that's going to be really mad at me for saying that about, you know, <laughs> some of his work, but um, yeah, I, I had a lot to learn. And um, Stacy definitely, uh, you know, she had already got her master's, you know, I was, I was teaching uh, uh, GD prep classes at the time. And uh it was it was really neat because she she was grading papers and everything and and I you know I had a class and she had a class so we you know we could kind of talk at, at a teacher level uh, and then a writing level and of course you know things got you know romantic there uh, you know <laughs> obviously uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah the uh, it it was a it was really cool you know we even did uh, some readings uh, I think what was it we did one in uh, Paducah. Is that right? Or uh, where was that? He did not do it. No, no, Paducah. Uh, it was in St. Charles. Oh, St. Charles. That's right. Picasso. Yeah. That's, that's right. That's right. My memory, you know. Um, yeah, we had um, put together a, um, so Kent and I, and then his friend, and then they brought in some other writers, and we put together um, sort of like a, an independent chat book, and um, Susan Swartout had connected us with a sort of publisher and printer in, in Southeast Missouri. And we put together um, this sort of, you know, book. Chat book. Chat book. I, I, I would dare say it's beyond the chat book because it was uh, like 80 pages. Um, <laughs> but we put together this book. Um, and Kent and I created it. And we even we even read at some of the, we read at the Sykeston campus at SEMO. And then we also read at the, the main campus at SEMO. And, and uh, Susan 
Sword Out helped promote it. And it was just a lot of fun. It was a really great experience um, working together with Kent and doing that kind of thing. So mm, I love it. Just all of the the creativity that you two get to share in. Um, but also just your passion for writing. I've known you both for almost seven years now, and I've just always enjoyed the passion that you have for, for your writing and for others writing. Um, so for our audience, the two of you have been facilitating the Missouri Humanities Veteran Writing Workshop here in St. Louis since 2005 or 2015. Uh, and that includes virtual workshops uh, due to COVID. Um, you know, Missouri Humanities, we've been partnering with libraries and literary groups and veteran support organizations in numerous places across the state to help veteran service members and their families develop the writing and narrative skills to empower them to share their stories. Uh, and these workshops are free of charge for the participants and are taught by professional writers and educators like you both. And um, I know that our participants here in St. Louis just love the fact that you teach these together and you each bring something different uh, to the table and you just have this great, wonderful like chemistry that everybody loves. Um, so what drew you to the position of facilitating the writing workshops and why are writing workshops like these so important? Kent, I'm going to start with you. Um, well, I, you know, obviously I still have that passion to write but I also have I also want others to write I, I guess I have that compulsion you know to let other people share their story um because obviously I like to read I like to read other stories you know uh writing and reading it it's hand in hand those those two share uh the same court um and I just think that anyone who has a short a story to tell should share it um and also, you know, veterans, I think, have a special place in telling their story um, because I don't think it's only me who has that compulsion to tell it. Um, I think just about everybody that's ever met a, a veteran or just a military member, uh, you always hear, hey, you know, they have a story. They always, you know, there's always a storyteller out there that seems to be a veteran. and. I don't think it's a stereotype. I, I think it's uh, an innate part of just being a human being. And so to not get too deeply philosophical, uh, I, I want to help that storytelling uh, ability to, I want to hone it. I want to make it stronger. I want them to feel uh, that they can get their stories published. Like that's something I feel uh, is important. I don't put a huge amount of pressure on the idea of, of getting published. I really like to start with just the basics, you know, uh, a beginning, middle and end, you know, or just a beginning, you know, it, it doesn't have to be anything uh, wild. Uh, I think just getting something on paper is just so important. Um, and, you know, I, I know people that, that can't necessarily, they don't feel like they can write. You know, they oh, I can't use good grammar, or um, I don't know how to type, or you know, any, any of those things. And if that's a problem, um, I, I don't want it to be. I, I don't want it to feel like an obstacle. So it's like, well, okay, that's fine. We'll, we'll just record it. You know, because um, not everybody can even type. 
so I, I want to make sure that that, it that to be able to access however they need to tell their story is important. Uh, of course, you know, I, I do focus on writing um, and, and getting it down on paper, but I, I also just feel like the experience of being together, just having veterans in a room uh, to have that camaraderie. Um, and I don't feel like it's implied camaraderie. You know, we all have to communicate and talk. So I don't try to make it out to be like a classroom. You know, I, I, I and I even kind of weary of the idea of like, what's what's a workshop? I kind of like the idea that it's called a workshop because it's more abstract. You're like, what's a workshop? What does that even mean? <laughs> you know, it sounds really weird, you know. Uh, it's, you know, where's the wood? Where's the saw blade? You know, uh, and I'm like, yeah, that's what it is. So things are wrong. You know, they, they can be, uh, you know, so it's like a big tree and we got to cut it down and make it into something. Um, and, and I like the idea of that because then it kind of breaks the chains of a conventional classroom because I feel if I go in and teach, you know, and act like a teacher and act like a facilitator, um, and, and then kind of instill this hierarchy of, of you know, I'm the teacher and you're the student. I feel that really kind of breaks the, uh, the idea of, of a group. And, and, I, and I like to have it more of a group where, where we're all just uh, servicemen or women uh, or uh, family members of servicemen or women um, that can just openly share their stories. And for me, that's the most important thing. Um, of course, I do want them to write, but I've I've been there where I see a guy, he was just doodling and drawing the whole time I was, you know, trying to talk about, uh, you know, story arcs and stuff. And after he finished his drawing, I, I went over there and checked it out. I was like, man, that's, that's a really awesome drawing. And it was a dragon, you know, <laughs> it wasn't even a soldier or anything. You know? And I was like, that's fine. You know, we're, we're not here to only tell military stories. You know, we can, we can tell any kind of story. You know, it doesn't have to be about trauma. It doesn't have to be uh, about any of that stuff. It can be about your, you know, cute little kitty cat. It's, it's fine, you know. And um, that, that's one thing that uh, about these workshops that I, I, uh, I enjoy is just having everyone together to, to share their experiences. Yeah, and anytime that I've visited uh, one of your uh, sessions in progress, like people are having a good time, but they're, they're sharing their stories. There can be emotional moments, but I think the big thing there is there's a safety to that room to open up uh, if someone chooses to, and that there is a support group there and that camaraderie. So I always appreciate the, the work that you two are doing together to create this environment for our workshop participants. Uh, Stacy, is there anything you want to add here? Yeah, I just, um, I want to note too that, you know, Kent, Kent had started doing this before I was in some way brought in. He, and, and, and it was his invitation because I was so interested in, you know, what these workshops entailed. And so I, he invited me to come and I, <laughs> being me, I just couldn't sit there and not participate. Um, I, you know, we started talking and apparently there was something as far as our chemistry or how we worked that the um, participants really enjoyed and was very relaxed. And, you know, 
as I got to know, because Kent would talk about some of these veterans and then I would, you know, be introduced to them. I'm like, oh, okay, I, yes, now I, now I get to put a face for the name. Um, and so I don't know, it was, it, it kind of happened. And at first I was afraid that Kent would find me sort of, I don't know, usurping, but um <laughs> stole it <laughs> but i i was hoping that it was it was exciting and it was exciting to to see kent do this and and to hear the veterans and i don't know i got really excited about it and i'm so grateful and happy that he has you know in some way allowed me to be a co-participant with him in doing this because i think I'm not saying that I'm the pinnacle of the representation of, you know, family members who, you know, are connected to veterans, but I think that allows some sort of perspective into the workshops that might not have been, you know, there before. And so I've really enjoyed it. And I love advocating for the veterans and specifically my husband. So I find that I'm always, you know, in some way advocating for um, the Missouri Humanities Council or for the workshop, uh, any chance that I can get. Um, so yeah, I find, and, and the fact that, you know, I even tell my students um, writing is a collaborative process like it may seem solitary where you're just a, you're just there writing and it's your your mind is coming up with these words but in essence you know uh, it's collaborative you know it, there's nothing that's going to be able to be produced without some sort of collaboration and uh, yeah so I'm that's why I'm always excited to to be able to be a part of the workshops. Yeah, I think your dynamic and the perspectives that you bring uh, is very encouraging to the workshop participants. And it very much is uh, a collaborative experience. People aren't just sitting in the room with their heads down and you're giving them a writing prompt. Um, we, you know, part of the workshop is inviting the participants to read their pieces and to invite uh, feedback from fellow participants from you all in an encouraging and productive way. So uh, it really makes for a really collaborative experience. And I really appreciate all that you have done to um, help build the workshop here in St. Louis. And I'm excited for May when we'll be hosting our first in-person writing workshop since COVID. So that'll be exciting as well. And I'm looking forward to continuing doing this with you all. So thank you. Um, Kent, I do have a question for you. You, you are also doing private scribbler veteran writing workshops. Um, so as a veteran teaching other veterans, has this had an effect on your own healing process and maybe your own growth as both, both a writer, teacher, and father? Certainly. Yeah. I think the, the, I guess the private Scribbler writing workshop, which is a lengthy title, but they uh, that workshop that we have focuses solely on their work. Um, and so far this year, I've, we've workshopped, I think, three or four novels. 
uh, like, you know, chapter by chapter by chapter, you know, every other week uh, we'd work on a chapter. Um, and then I don't know how countless amounts of short stories and poems um, and some short stories that's been published as well as some poems that's been published as, as a result of, you know, workshopping them for a period of time. And I guess it's gone on for five years now. And so it's it's been really exciting. I mean, there's not, it, once in a while things will get postponed, but we keep going, going and going and making sure that, uh, you know, the work is is read and make, you know, thorough comments on, you know, line by line and, and making sure that their work could be published. That That's one of the biggest things about this workshop is, is that I really put effort into to making sure that the end result is is strong and, and could be you know publishable possibly you know and, and we put a lot of effort into it and um it's really fulfilling uh for for me uh and also for the the veterans i tell you the the workshop it's really uh we're we're a close group um we're all friends you know uh and small but mighty small but mighty yeah yeah stacy <laughs> yeah and it, it you know after covid happened uh you know a, a really interesting result um because it was all on zoom is that now you know uh, we have a member from kansas city too you know so now we have a a wider net because of that which is which is really beautiful you know and uh, we're you know working on chapters on on her novel and so you know it as much as it was a, a painful thing that we couldn't, you know, sit around and have our, you know, stuff printed out, you know, we, we can go line by line on the screen, you know, and look at each other's comments and uh, try to Im improve each uh, sentence, each chapter, you know, and uh, the, how has it helped my writing? Uh, well, you know, when you look at other people's writing and you're trying to improve it, of course, that's going to reflect back on your own stuff. And, and occasionally I'll put my own writing out there and we'll workshop that as well. So it's kind of an equalizer at that point. You know, I'm not just the, the teacher, you know, at this point yeah. I'm, I'm the student, you know, um, and they're, they're teaching me. And uh, it's good. It's humbling. You know, it, it brings everything uh, on a level plane. And uh, I think that's important. Um, there's only so much you, you can always continually learn and it's students teach teachers just as much, you know, it's, it's a give and take. It certainly is. Um, and so, you know, with that being said, I, I couldn't be happier, I, uh, to do that because for me, it, it, it's, it's another purpose thing, you know, it's like, what, what did the military give me? What, what, you know, you asked me earlier, you know, like, why did you join? Well, you know, now it's it's a volunteer for something else, you know, um, and the payback I feel like is a, is a little, <laughs> a lot more positive, you know, and, and <laughs> a little less a, dangerous. A of, <laughs> yeah, less a uh, battlefield experience, which is okay, <laughs> you know, uh, it's a, it's a little softer and, uh, and that's great. I, it's, it's an experience that that is really, uh, it's more heartwhelming, you know, and there's some hard work too. I mean, there, there's, it, it's really tough to look at your story objectively, 
you know, if you have your heart into this story, and this is like, oh, this really happened to me. This really happened to me. This is a true story. And I'm like, yeah, but this part doesn't make sense. No one wants you to say that. That's hard. That's <laughs> yeah. painful. To, you know, and I've, I've been told that before. You know, I've told my story and, and there'll be a sentence in there. It's just, what, what does that mean? And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, glad you said something. I'll rewrite this. I'll make it better, you know? And uh, that's what some of the pains about a workshop that, that, that come up. But once you learn to take that criticism and, you know, make that sentence better, you know, focus on your audience, learning what that audience wants, mm -hmm. you know, uh, is what makes a workshop uh, really work, you know. And so, yeah, no, I, I really have enjoyed the workshop that we've had. That's wonderful. I mean, I can ask you all questions all day long and keep diving deeper, but I'm going to bring it back around to one last question for the both of you. Um, what do you hope others gain from either listening to this episode or from reading your military related writings or attending one of your workshops? Stacy, let's start with you. Um, you know, I guess one of the big takeaways that I want um, anyone listening to understand is that um, one, that writing is collaborative. I think that's really important. Um, to be able to know that um, any writing, especially in the kinds of workshops that we do, um, is, is fine. You know, just writing something down is a great way <clears throat> to get um, your story out. I think I liked, one of the things that I liked and found myself enamored with initially when meeting Kent was the fact that it was this idea of getting one page a down, um, one page a day down, excuse me. And he was really motivated in, in doing that. And so I found his um, motivation with this one page a day. I thought that was a very interesting and compelling concept. And um, I don't know. I just, I found his enthusiasm. I had, <clears throat> I had been married 10 years prior um, to meeting Kent. So I had just recently um, gotten out of a 10 year relationship. And so I was very um, going down a different path. <clears throat> and I had in somewhere in that 10 year relationship had sort of lost or sort of had my, um, inspiration with writing and poetry and and I wasn't able to really dive into that and sort of like had gone away a little bit and then when meeting Kent it was like wait a minute I am a poet I have written things why am I not doing that anymore and so he sort of revived this um love that I had for writing and I found it very exciting and I was like and so I want that for someone else too. Um, uh, either the initial, oh, I, I have this concept or I thought about this and I wanna share it or I wanted to have an opportunity to maybe expand on it or to hone it or someone who has, you know, 
had that in the past and somehow, you know, life got in the way and they lost, you know, their direction and all of a sudden they've come back and they're like, I, I, I'm going to use this as sort of my inspiration to, to start at this again. Um, so I don't know. I think I would like people to, to get that from this experience and just the idea that you can connect with others and the fact that these workshops and the way that we look at writing with veterans is, you know, you don't have to produce something being there is production enough <laughs> just being there um is good enough so yeah absolutely yeah. um thank you so much Stacy. uh Kent how about you what do you hope others gain from either participating in a workshop with you or reading one of your pieces of work or uh, from this episode yeah uh much what, what Stacy said uh there is a, a value to someone's story. There, there's a value to that, which um, has no price. That's it, it's priceless in a way. It really is. Um, and, and, and I know that seemed kind of maybe trite or, or uh, you, you, the best way to, I guess, understand how that that value is there is Think about the stories that that other people have told you that's that's moved you, that uh, that affected you emotionally. It, it could be a movie, it could be you know a podcast, it could be uh, anything, uh, in, any story that someone's told you that's really moved you, and realize that you too have that you have that story in you. You you have a story that can move someone else. You you have a story that has meaning that is that is worth listening to that people want to hear um and that you may not even know it you you may have no idea be completely clueless that there is a story inside you that is you know just branding to be told just just there and it's it, you don't know it's there until you try to move till you try to get up and you know and, and sit down and, and actually put your you know hands on the keyboard and write that one page you know it, it seems like it's a very minimal attempt you know it, it seems very uh well, like a blank page blinking at you it can be intimidating um but if you set a limit you know and you you say oh just it's just one one little page you know if you don't give it this thousand endless page that it can seem like then it's not so bad because you're like, oh, just 500 words. That's not a big deal. And then you can put that story out. And not every one of them is going to be moving. Some of them are going to be hilarious. Some of them are going to be, you know, ass nine. Some of them aren't going to make any sense, you know, and that's perfectly fine. You know, I, I love a good joke. Believe me, I, 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 I'll take a, a good joke over a, a lot of crying sometimes any day, you know. And so uh, I, and I feel like that needs to be told. And, and if worse, comes to it, it it could be a small legacy in your family you know your kids could see it you know your niece your nephew you know your best friend could see it and uh i think that's one of the the best parts about the the workshop well thank you both so much um 
Thanks for being our first husband and wife duo on here. <laughs> uh, as always, it was such a joy to connect. Thank you for sharing your personal stories, including your cute meat, and for all the work you do to collaboratively help veterans and their family members tell their stories through the craft of writing and perhaps reminding us today to live life one page at a time. So thank you so much. Thank you, Lisa. It was so much fun and I enjoyed it immensely. Yeah, thank you so much, Lisa. If you would like to read Kent and Stacy's PTB pieces, you can purchase Proud to Be volumes one through 10 at mohumanities.org backslash veterans. This podcast is brought to you by the Missouri Humanities. Please help us share these stories by sharing episodes with friends, family, and on your social media platforms. If you're listening on an app, don't forget to follow us and leave a review. I'm Lisa Carrico, and we hope you will tune in for future episodes of Proud to Be as we interview PTB contributors to discover the stories behind their PTB contributions.